Welcome to the UMMC Bible Study Podcast, a podcast produced with students at UMMC. My name is Tim Chen, and I'm a former graduate of the UMC Medical School. Currently, I'm a family physician practicing in Mississippi. The goal of our podcast is to help our students and their families grow closer with the Lord and stronger in their faith and walk with God. With the rigors of school, it can be difficult to spend time with the Lord as well as fellowship with other believers. We hope that this podcast uplifts you during this challenging time and encourages you in your journey with God. Well, Christian, welcome to the UMMC Bible Study Podcast. We're glad you're here again, Christian. How was your week? Yeah, thanks for having me back. It's been just another week in the PhD life. (laughs) Well, hopefully uh, tonight as we get into this podcast, we'll be able to step back a little bit from the work life, right? The PhD life and kind of really dig something out because I feel like this matter of what we're getting into today is probably one of the most mysterious things that is written in the Bible as far as being understood, as far as being practiced, but also probably one of the most can't miss facts of the Bible that if we don't see this, if we don't practice this, if we don't even attempt to understand and fellowship with God concerning what this is, then our experience of the Christian life would be very short and discombobulated. And that, drum roll, is the body of Christ. Christian, I'm going to go ahead and recap a little bit, and then we'll read the verses. So last week, my brother was on the podcast, and we're sitting here talking about this matter of do not be fashioned according to this age but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. And I was wondering, my concept when I was reading that verse before was just don't be like the world. Don't get caught up in sin. Don't get caught up in doing all these worldly things, but we need to have our mind on the spiritual things. That was my concept reading that verse. But I fell into the pitfall of, you know, what I usually do is I take verses out of context. Right, so I read a verse and I'm like, oh, obviously it means this. But when you put it in today's reading, you realize that there is something else going on. Paul is not just talking about being better than the world. Don't be worldly. Renew your mind so you're not worldly. But here he says that you may prove what the will of God is. And so the will of God, well, okay, that just means what God wants me to do. But it's more than that because it links us to today's verses. So why do we need our minds renewed, right? Why do we need it transformed, really? And what is the purpose? It will link to today's reading. And we'll probably be on this topic of the body of Christ for two, if not three, episodes. Because essentially, this is what Paul is talking about until the end of Romans. So Christian, do you mind just reading the verses for us today? Yes, this is Romans 12, 3 through 5. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to be sober-minded, as God has apportioned to each a measure of faith. For just as in one body we have many members, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. 
Awesome. Well, Christian, I'm going to go ahead and give you the floor. This matter of the body of Christ is probably, I would say most Christians have heard this term, right? There is actually a song, if we are the body. But the song mainly has to do with Jesus was loving the the poor. Why aren't we loving the poor? Very uh, works related. But we want to even step back a little bit from the superficial understanding of what the body of Christ is. And let's start here. Why the body of Christ? This is the first time in the Bible that this term or phrase is used, this matter of the body. And when we're talking about the body here, it's not like a a body of people or a body of water or a body of work, but literally the human body. That's the the picture being used here, right? And I I did want to mention, like, I I really like what you were saying about what you guys had talked about last week, about renewing of the mind and all. And and that still is an individual Christian's experience with the Lord and as a believer. But then there's there's this kind of this transition we've gotten to now where we're talking about the body of Christ. It's a very corporate matter. It's it's multiple people. You, you can't you can't have the body as just one person, right? You can't have many members. I think this matter of the body it's amazing, and I'm I'm so happy that we can get into it, get into it together, and kind of go on this journey together to really see what the apostle paul saw you know try to really see what he saw and i think we need to really go to the book of acts to really get a good idea yeah yeah christian so while you're looking up the book of acts i would just want to echo exactly what you said you know most of our experience as seen in the book of romans is between us and god So even the book of Genesis, we talked a lot about our relationship with God, our dependence on God, our calling on God, learning to follow God. But a lot of that is still our personal experience of God. But the body of Christ, especially here where Paul says things like, you are all members of the body in Christ, and then members one of another. There is now an expansion of our Christian experience. Not just our relationship with God, which is crucial, but what about our relationship with one another, right? And so this is essentially the turning point, a giant turning point that Paul is bringing out here in the book of Romans. We want to know why this picture, where did this come from? Mm -hmm. I've got Acts chapter 9 verses 1 through 5. And this is the story of Paul's conversion. And this is uh, kind of the first time, one of the first times we see Paul. Uh, Saul, who used to be Saul and became Paul. So the verses say, But Saul, still breathing threatening and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to Damascus for the synagogues, so that, so that if he found any who were of the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And as he went, he drew near to Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell on the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you persecute. So I don't know how well people are familiar with this story, but this was the story of 
Saul, who later became Paul and is the writer of this epistle, the book of Romans, and uh, 13 other epistles in the New Testament. And so in his conversion, he's on his way to Damascus, and he's actually going to persecute believers. He's persecuting these men and women. And there's this bright light, and he hears a voice and says, Why are you persecuting me? And Saul, who, who was a Pharisee, he, at least he had the, the wherewithal to be like, okay, this is something divine. So he said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord responds, I'm Jesus whom you persecute. Now, this is kind of strange because Jesus had already died. He was crucified. So how was Paul persecuting Jesus? He was actually persecuting believers. And Saul... He, he was blinded for three days after this. He had a lot of time to think about what, was, what did this mean? I, I'm not persecuting Jesus. He's already dead. But then, wait a second. There's maybe some light begin to shine. Oh, these people that I'm persecuting. These people are Jesus? That's kind of the the ground revelation that uh, Saul had and eventually I think really helped him to unveil and bring out this matter of the body of Christ. So that's the perfect expression there, Christian. And so let's talk about that again, because you're right. Saul of Tarsus did not believe that Jesus resurrected. He was there actually persecuting Christians Because the Christian said, you know, the Christian faith was like, hey, Jesus died, was resurrected. He's now the son. He's the son of God. And, you know, in Saul of Tarsus' eyes, this is heresy. So he's gathering Christians. He's persecuting Christians. Anyone that called on the name of the Lord, actually in the book of Acts, if you read, he would drag them out of their house and breathing murder. But when the Lord appeared to Saul, you're right. It says he was there for three days. And even when God went to Ananias to send him to Saul, he said he's been, he's there praying. And you can just imagine Saul got his world rocked because he's like, oh my goodness, God just appeared to me. And not only just God, but Jesus. Jesus, the one that I'm going after his followers. Yet Jesus says, no, you're persecuting me. And I agree, like, I think he started making a connection I guess what I'm saying is the body of Christ wasn't something that Saul of Tarsus made up. Like, I'm going to just pick a picture to talk about the believer's relationship with the Lord. I'm just going to pick the body. But the vision that changed his life forever, burned in his brain probably forever, was Jesus himself showing Paul, these believers and I are one person. And I think that is monumental. This is more than just like we all work in the same company. You know, where there's a CEO, God's a CEO of a company, and we all work in the same company. So we are, we're all one team going in one direction. This is something very different than that when we mention the word, the body of Christ. I don't know if you want to develop that a little bit more. Yeah, I I can mention, you know, coming back to Romans 12 and verse 5, it says, So we who are many are one body in Christ. That's a really important two words, in Christ. Today in the world, people are divided by all kinds of reasons. 
and they come together briefly for certain reasons but you know they're you it's really difficult for any people to be one in a sense you could say it's almost non-existent but in christ that is our uniting factor and it's not just a kind of like okay you're a christian i'm a christian we we need to be one but there there's something there there's a deeper reality there because as individual believers we've received this christ has a life-giving spirit into our spirit who's regenerated each and every single one of us, right? So we have this divine life. And it's this life that is the, the ability, the source for our oneness. And that's just kind of a, a beginning point. You know, Paul spends so much of his many more epistles addressing this, how to practically, how do we be one in the body? There's really a, an organic, divine reality here. We may not be aware of it, but that's what the Word is saying. So let's start there. Saying that we are the body of Christ implies a lot. Number one, and I like what you said, the body is something organic, something living. My body is living, obviously. There are cells and there's blood flow. All these things are happening because I am a living person. But more than that, all my cells are linked together by my life. So it's more than just, like you said, you're a Christian, I'm a Christian, so I guess we should hang around. It's even more than, well, we all agree on the same doctrine, so we should all meet in the same place on Sunday. That's still very superficial. What we're talking about here is that in life, you have God's life in you. I have God's life in me. That makes us, for a better term, if we're using the same picture, we're cells in the same body. We share the same blood flow, the same nutrients that come in, the same immune system that goes through, the same, all this thing, organic living being, all my cells are one and they work together. So I think that first point like you said, this is something living. This is something organic. This is something that is very based on life. I would say the second point when you mentioned the body of Christ, and we'll talk about here, is that that means there's got to be a head. If you look at my body, obviously I have a head. And the head decides everything. The head decides when I go to sleep, when I wake up, which direction I'm walking in. The head decides, do I grab the spoon with my left hand or my right hand. All this thing, it's not my body making these decisions. It is the head making the decisions and then the body just does it. And so you could even say that as the body of Christ, one, we're related according to life, but two, we are all under the same head. I don't know if you want to develop any of those points, Christian. Yeah, I mean, this is the revelation in the Word. This is the revelation we need to see. Like we need, and so eventually we can begin to, to practice in a sense. So it's so true. I was just looking at Ephesians four when you were talking about the head. Paul mentions there Ephesians four fifteen, beholding the truth in love, we may grow up into Him in all things, who is the head Christ, and. Yeah, it's because I'm endeavoring to be headed up by Christ in my personal life, in all things, as 
wow, all things. Like, is, is Christ the head in all things in my life? Like, uh, oh Lord. But as I'm endeavoring to be headed up, as you're endeavoring to be headed up, we're all under Christ. And that brings in an organic oneness um, that manifests itself as you're a member of the body of Christ and I'm a member. And talking about being members of the body, I really like what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12. One thing about being a member is we're nothing more than a member of the body of Christ and we're nothing less than a member of the body of Christ. In society today, there's all this kind of I'm better than you or, you know, position and there's all kinds of things. But in the body of Christ, I'm a member and you're a member. It's a great equalizer in a sense. We shouldn't look down on others and... On the same the same token, we shouldn't look down on ourselves. Those are kind of the two extremes. And Paul talks about that a lot in 1 Corinthians 12. I think this is a great picture. I think it really brings out this word organic. <laughs> I love this word. Organic. The organic nature of uh, the church today. And how important it is that we have this life. Yeah, well, there is so much to bring out concerning this matter of the body of Christ. I would say, like you said, the two points, if we could see them tonight, would be A, that the body of Christ is something living. Just saying the term the body of Christ, it's not organizational. Not saying the body is not organized. My fingernails have a time to grow. They don't grow all the way down to my knuckles. There is organization in the body. But the organization is because I'm living. I'm an organic being. So saying the body of Christ, first of all, shows that we all have God's life. And God's life is the basis, I would say, of being a member in the body. And then the second point, again, if we can grasp this, is that we are all under the headship of Christ. Therefore, no member is above any member and no member is below any member because we all answer to the same head. In Ephesians 4, we're all holding to our head, right? We're all holding Christ. So this, this is a really good balance of this is how we view our relationship with the Lord. The second part of the verse right there says, but we are also members one of another. It's easy for us to say, you know what, you know, I, I, me and Jesus are good. We spend time together. We read the word together. But you know what? I really don't need anybody else. I'm just going to go fishing on Sundays because I can enjoy God everywhere. But Paul has a balancing word here saying, you're members one of another. We want to develop next week too. Like, what does it look like in real life, right? So the body of Christ, and even in the rest of Romans, there's practices and things like that that Paul talks about, but it's all with the view that we are members one of another. So, so I, you know, I want our listeners to just be excited because, and even kind of inquisitive, I guess, like, okay, Lord, we are the body of Christ. What does that look like practically? So I think next week we'll really have a good time to just pray and open this matter up of what would this practice of living in the body of Christ look like? I don't know if you have any closing thoughts, Christian. I'm very excited to get into this topic about the body of Christ and, you know, still looking very much forward to the rest of Romans. Glad to be back on again. (laughs) Amen, Christian. Thanks for your time. Thank you.